Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Good morning. As you can see, I'm not Joel Sutherland. I'm Nathan McCoy. I'm the student pastor here at Peavine, if you're visiting with us. And um, man, it's so good to be here today. I'm excited about the message today. Uh, I really and truly, I, I finished the outline of it by Tuesday. And if I were honest, by Monday, I knew exactly where I was going with it. But uh, I'm excited about this message and um, I'm excited to share it with you. Let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we exalt you over all. Father, thank you for meeting with us here. Lord, I pray that all of our ears be open, our hearts be open, our, our will be open to your word. Lord, today I pray that you do a great thing in our lives because we allow you to do it. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. How you finish matters. In life, it's not how you start, but it's how you finish. If you know anything about Chrissy and I, my wife Chrissy and I, we enjoy traveling. Um, last year, we did a trip of a lifetime. And uh, we went to, we took a cruise out of Rome, Italy and went to France Spain, several stops in France, Spain, several stops in Italy. Um, if you know anything about me, I don't like pictures of myself. And my wife, if we went just us, no kids. And uh, to me, that gets a little awkward when your wife's always saying, Hey, Nathan. Chrissy's saying, Hey, Nathan, let me get a picture of you here. And I'm like, Well, baby, it's kind of corny, you know. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. So here's how I combat that. I take all the pictures. It's kind of like a conversation. If you ask all the questions, you can control things. So I just take all the pictures. And I'm like, hey, babe, here. Stand right here. Let's get a picture. You know, I'm taking pictures this whole trip. It kept me from being on the other side of it. Well, we made several stops, several days in Rome. And we went to Cannes, France, which is like the French Riviera. Okay, um, Chrissy and I make it a point, we never take excursions off a cruise. We do our own thing and find, uh, we get off the beaten path a little bit. So we took a double-decker bus that was public transportation all the way across and ended up on a beach where no one spoke any English. And while we were there, we decided we'd stay there. We go down to rent a beach chair and, you know, a lot of times you're expecting 12 bucks for the day. This was 40 bucks for two hours per chair. And I'm like, babe, I don't want to get back on the bus. We're here. Well, 80 bucks for two hours worth of chairs. And um, this place had a restaurant. And to be on the beach, you had to eat at the restaurant. So we're like, okay, we'll get a salad or something. Which, that was a, a ridiculous bill. They showed up with a fish that still had eyes in it. Good old southern boys, we like our fish fried with no eyes. <laughs> Heads chopped off. 
when that thing's looking at you, you don't want to, I don't want to eat it. Chrissy sure don't want to eat it. Couldn't under, there's a language barrier. And let me tell you this as this goes on. When I think someone can't understand me because of the language they speak, I try not to, but I speak louder. <laughs> and I'm smiling while I'm doing it. So what they're probably thinking is, why is this guy so angry, but he's still smiling? And I'm like, I don't know. What. But So we sat at the beach two hours. Two hours are up. We start walking back. And uh, we start walking back. And I realize I left my cell phone somewhere. So we start searching for my cell phone. Remember, I took all the pictures for about five days before. Okay. And in my mind, I'm going, if we don't find this cell phone, this vacation's ruined because Chrissy likes pictures. And if we keep searching for this cell phone, my day's ruined uh, because Chrissy likes the beach. And I like the beach too. So we go searching. Search back at the restaurant. They don't understand. I'm in, ba- I'm in the bathroom looking under a toilet. You know, I'm looking everywhere. Couldn't find it. So then we're, I'm like, maybe we left it on the bus. Well, these buses kept passing by bus stops. So as we're walking back, every time a bus would get close to a stop, I'd be running it down. And I'd get up there and start talking to the bus driver, this, that, and another. They didn't understand a thing I said, so I just smiled and talked louder. <laughs> and finally, they're, I'm getting the gesture. They want me to get off the bus. Chrissy's persistent. Chrissy's figuring out apps and things that she can speak to the app and it speaks French somehow. And, you know, me, I'm just smiling and talking louder. It's not working. But finally, I'm like, babe, let's just give up. Let's enjoy the rest of the trip. Give up. It's gone. I mean, this is a big place. There's no way we'll find a cell phone in the city. Nope. We get all the way back to the original bus stop where we started Chrissy goes up to the shuttle she recognizes the bus by the graphics on it and she starts talking to this man I don't know, have a clue what the man said so I'm just smiling and somehow Chrissy got the message by him doing gestures like this that <laughs> There was a cell phone found on the bus. A policeman walked it down the street, took a left, took it to the bus station, and it'll be there. So we walked another half mile to the bus station the whole way. I'm in unbelief. I'm like, baby, this is a waste of time. We get to the bus station, find the lady behind the desk, spoke English, and had my phone sitting right there. You know, isn't that like life? Sometimes in life, it's so much easier. We think it's so much easier to quit and give up. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but I pray that you got your ears on. Because you might be a daddy and you're ready to give up on your marriage, give up on your children. You might be a mom ready to give up. You may just be here 
And overall, you're ready to give up. Let me tell you this. That's not the easiest way. That's not the easiest way. Whether you're at Rossville in the overflow or here in the gathering place, will you give me a permission just to be an encouragement to you today? If you will, give me a thumbs up. Okay, I see you in here. I see you, Rossville, and I see you, overflow. Here we go. How many of you have ever heard the Bible story about the man named Shemua? Anybody? What about Shaphat? How about Egal? No one? Is there anybody? Okay, what about Joshua and Caleb? You've heard about those guys. You know why you've never heard about the others? Because they were all quitters. But not Joshua and Caleb. Turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 15. As we go through this, we're going to be in Numbers, and we're going to skip to Joshua some, so I'm just saying be ready. Numbers is in the Old Testament, it's in the front of your Bible. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men out to spy the land of Canaan, which I am giving the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader, among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord, all the men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these were the names. If I get a name wrong, y'all hold out, okay? But no matter what, I'm going to try to say the name like I know exactly how to pronounce it, all right? For you scholarly types. Here we go. These were the names from the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zachar. From the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. From the tribe of Issachar, Egal, the son of Joseph. From the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun. From the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu. From the tribe of Zebulun, Gadil, the son of Sodi, from the tribe of Joseph, that is, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi, from the tribe of Dan, Emil, the son of Gamali, from the tribe of Asher, Sether, from the son of Michael, from the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of, this is a tough one, Bothsthi, this Mississippi boy just can't do it. From the tribe of Gad, Geuel, the son of Machi. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent out to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. The reasons you've never heard about Shemua, Shaphat, or Egal is because they were all quitters. But not Joseph and Caleb. We even name our boys Joseph. Caleb, because those guys were champions. They were champions for God. Now, here's the thing about that. If you look in Deuteronomy chapter 1, you'll see that God had already promised these guys the land. 
to send out the spies in Deuteronomy 1, it'll show you that this was really the people's request. You understand that? So the Israelites had already escaped Egypt. They've escaped slavery. We sing about that, our cha- break every chain. God had broke the chains of slavery for the Israelites. They experienced that. They experienced the Red Sea. They were led by Moses. They followed a cloud by day and fire by night. God's presence was right there with them. They had experienced so much already. But in their disbelief, they had to see it for themselves. Let me ask you a question because I want you to think about what that's saying. How many times in your Christian life In my Christian life, how many times in our Christian lives do we understand the promises of God? We feel the presence of God. We've seen God work in our past, whether that's in our marriage, whether that's providing for us financially, whether that's through healing us, healing our family members. How many times have we seen God work in the past and then all of a sudden, we get to a point of disbelief and we take matters into our own hand and we have to see things for ourselves. This was the Israelites. Their unbelief is seen here. So I'm going to tell the story real quick. The spies went into the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised them. They spied out the land. In the land, they... They spied it out. They saw descendants of a guy named Anak, which was a giant. Um, They saw giants. Um, The land was prosperous. They cut down some grapes. Moses told them to bring back some of the fruit of the land, show the people. So they brought back one cluster of grapes that took two men, the Bible says, to carry. The land was fruitful. It was good. Remember, God had already told them it was theirs. But out of the 12 spies that went, only two spies gave a good report. Only two gave a good report. Listen to this in verse 30 of chapter 13. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone has spies and is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw giants, the descendants of Anak, And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. Here's some things about finishing strong. It's not how you start, but it's how you finish. Joshua and Caleb are great examples of finishers. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. How it's gone so far is how you finish. Psalms 90.12 tells us this. David wrote, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, when we play football, there's four quarters. 
If you go into the first quarter and you finish strong, you're set up pretty good for the second quarter. The other team's going to play at your pace. You're going to set the tone for the game. You go into the second quarter strong, halftime comes. It's hard for that other team to come back. Third quarter, momentum keeps building. By the fourth quarter, you're skating. You're in the end zone, right? Whereas first quarter, you go into it behind. You can catch up and come back in the second. You go into halftime. You got halftime. You can regroup if it's gone bad so far. But by the third quarter, if you've not caught up, it's hard to come back in the fourth quarter. Life's that way too. First quarter of life, say 1 to 20. Second quarter, 20 to 40, 45. Third quarter, 45 to 60. By the fourth quarter, you're 60 to 80. It's hard to come back. But with Christ, you can do it. With Christ, you can do it. Here's some things about finishers. This is going to be pretty, pretty applicable here. Here's some things about finishers. Finishers stand against the crowd. Finishers stand against the crowd. You know, as a youth pastor, I make it a point to be in schools at least two to three times a week. Every week, I'm at, I'm at lunchrooms. It's the best time. I, got, I, I get to interact with students, fist bump in the halls. And you can tell a lot about what's going on in someone's life when you get in their natural habitat. Because when a student isn't living for the Lord, when they've kind of checked out on the race, when they're not running so strong, they, they tend to dodge the youth pastor. Or when the youth pastor comes up, they kind of shut down. They can't look him in the eye. Something's up. Last Wednesday, I go and, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always got my finger just on the pulse of where our students are. Because that's who I am. I'm very relational. And last Wednesday, I went through and, man, uh, this year we graduate... Uh, really about 40 seniors. And those guys really did well as a class. And I go into the school last Wednesday, Corbin and I went in, and, you know, some of these guys that did great during middle school and then high school's here, and now I'm seeing them, like, checking out, dodging, you know. And I'm like, dude, what's going on, you know? I left the lunchroom, and I'm going, oh, my goodness, Things are bad. I, I told Corbin, I said, I honestly don't want to, don't ever want to go back into school again. Uh, I felt so, it felt so bad. I felt, uh, you know, um, I guess at, at a certain point because you invest so much, there are times that you just feel rejected. And you know it's not you that they're rejecting, it's the Lord they're rejecting because of choices some of us make. As adults, you and I are like that too. When we're not living for the Lord, when you, do, when you do somebody dirty, it's hard to look somebody in the eye. So when sin's in your life, there are times you check out just like a student would in high school. You know, you can't look them in the eye. Finishers stand against the crowd. For students, students, 
here's, what, here's what's up. As Christians, God's looking for someone that doesn't compromise, that doesn't go with the flow of what everybody else is doing. God's looking for someone to stand up, to stand up, despite what the crowd's doing. Remember, out of those spies, only two finished strong. You know, in life, really, it's about one out of ten that actually finished strong. If your best life is in high school, you're going to have a sad life after. If your best life is in the college experience, I hear parents all the time talking about, well, they're going off to college. You know, it's just part of the college experience. Dude, I tell you what, I don't want my children to experience the mistakes and things that I might have experienced when I went through. Christians, we don't need to make excuses for it just being the college experience. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. God's looking for someone to stand up despite the popular opinion. Men. God's looking for men of integrity that don't compromise their marriage. That don't walk in here on Sunday and forget who they are by Monday morning. God's looking for someone to stand for what is right despite the cost of doing right. Hear me out. The right thing's not always the easy thing. It's seldom the easy thing. But it's still the right thing. As Christians, we should take Joshua and Caleb's example. Do the right thing no matter what the cost. Turn in your Bibles one more page, Numbers 14. We'll look at what Joshua, Joshua's example for us. But Joshua, the son of Nun, Joshua 14, 6 through 10. I'm sorry, I'm getting rolling here. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to the congregation of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Check out what the congregation said. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Well, thanks a lot, right? Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the meeting before the children of Israel. Here's what happened to the children of Israel. Because of their unbelief, because of their bad report, because they checked out, the spies quit, the people rebelled, they got another 40 years in the wilderness. They were not that generation of rebels were not able to enter the promised land. They all died in the wilderness. Finishers stand against the crowd. Joshua and Caleb stood against the congregation. Finishers set their mind on God's word. Turn in your Bibles to Joshua 1, verse 8. I told you to flip a little bit. Finishers set their minds on God's word. Early on in Joshua's leadership, and men, check, men, ladies, check it out. In your workplace, Joshua knew how to follow. 
He followed Moses. When all the people rebelled against the Lord and Moses, Joshua followed. When everybody else said that the task, the job was too hard, Joshua and Caleb followed their leader wholeheartedly and said, no, we can do this at your job. Man, good leadership first is good fellowship. You want, you want a promotion? You want, you want to, I guess, be recognized? Follow your boss. Like, as Christians, we need to realize that fellowship, there's blessing in that. Joshua's a good example of that. Joshua takes over leadership. Moses died. Moses wasn't able to enter the promised land. So here he is, Joshua 1.8. Joshua was able to take the leadership. Moses, the Lord, over and over said, uh, Be of good courage, for I'm with you. I'm going with you. Finishers set their minds on God's word. You want to finish strong no matter where you're at in life? Set your mind on the word of God. Look at what the Lord said to Joshua. Joshua 1.8 This book of law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Moses had written the first five books of the Bible and handed it over, handed the reins of leadership over to Joshua. Joshua's courage came from the word of God. If Joshua was able to conquer Canaan with the first five books of the Bible, how much better are we to have victory in life when we have the whole Bible, all 66 books and the Holy Spirit who resides in us? And he shouldn't just be a resident in our life. He should be our president. He should rule in our life. Pevine, to live victorious, we, we must set our minds on God's word. Chrissy and I live on a hill kind of in the woods. And um, when um, a few years ago we had some visitors one night about midnight drive up and um, they turned on my security light which meant that someone walked up to my garage and um, I had Bear which is my 200 pound English Mastiff locked in his room because his uh, electric fence was down and uh, I heard Bear barking and I'm laying there and I'm like let me go see what's up so I go out I'm like Bear Shut up. I just popped the lock. I didn't care if he got run over, taken, whatever. You know, I popped the lock on his, his dog house, let him out because I got tired of him barking. And like, so I'm just walking out, you know. Um, I don't have neighbors, so if I walk out in my underwear, I'm okay. And I walk back in and I said, baby, there's an extra car in the driveway. And I turned around and I looked out before I said it again. And I looked out and there was a little Jeep Cherokee sitting at the end of our driveway. And I see a cell phone light in it. And I'm like, oh, snap. So I said, babe, call 911. 
So she's calling 911. I go to get a pistol out of a safe. And let me say this. When you're in the heat of things, like it's hard to get things to work right. The batteries on my safe were dead. I couldn't find the key. So I went up to my other safe and got a shotgun, which is the best home defense. <laughs> Cannot miss. Remember, I'm still in my underwear, so I wasn't going outside. And I didn't know where they were. So I just opened a window, put the 12-gauge out. <laughs> Chrissy's talking to the police, and they're saying they can't be there for another 20, 30 minutes. I said, baby, tell them I got a gun on them. <laughs> they were there in about a minute. <laughs> Things get real heightened when you say G-U-N. Well, I had three people laid out face first in my driveway. Bear was about 20 feet from him, just barking over him. One lady was like 60, 130, some 20-something-year-old dude. I'm like, what in the world kind of mixed match stuff is this? And I'm just laying there. I'm saying, no, you just lay there. And the lady's going, they, they were drinking at the end of my driveway. She goes, well, I got to go to the bathroom. I said, ma'am, I'm telling you this. You do not want to get up because it was a pump. You heard. And uh, I'm just laying there. They're laying out. Bear's barking. Cops get there in a minute versus 20, 30. Sheriff comes up. The deputy comes up. And he was a young guy, you know, a uh, flat-top kind of dude. Um, he, was, he, he had the posture, you know. I don't know how to say that nicely. But uh, he's down there, and Chrissy's on the side deck just listening in. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what I would have done. If, I if it would have been me, I would have had my AR-15 on me. And I didn't think anything of it. Dude, the next day. Chrissy comes home from work. She bought me an AR-15. <laughs> She's like, here, Nathan. There's a reason I'm telling you this. Finishers set their mind on God's word. Here in America, the guns are a trend. They're a false sense of security. We got them, we're, got them in our suit coats maybe this morning. I don't. Okay, we got them in our consoles. We're all ready. But the best weapon for you men is God's word. Memorize it. The Lord told Joshua, meditate on it day and night. Know it. Know it. Because you, when you know it, no matter what comes your way, you know exactly what to do. Temptation comes, Daniel 1.8. Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. Be like, no, I'm not doing that. Scripture's right there. Song comes on the radio that goes against God's design. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. You say, Nathan, you're being legalistic talking about the music. Hey, maybe you're just more spiritual than I am. Maybe you're just more spiritual than I am. You know, my mom always said garbage in, garbage out. 
as an adult now, I kind of believe it. I believe it. When I hear songs like, hey, tailgates down, four-wheel drive, bass boat glides, sawed-off shotgun, let's have some fun kind of stuff, that stuff gets in my head. I want to go back to the old life. Denny, y'all, we sing about a song. It's not who I am. I'm not going back, right? Like, I'm a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I don't want no part of it. You got the wrong friends. You got the wrong friends. Blessed is man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night. Hey, guys, if you got the wrong friends, if they're a bad influence, the Bible tells you that ain't the way to go. You need to look at your friend group. You know, I'm going to be a little transparent with you. I'm always a little transparent. One of the things I struggle with, anger, anger. It hits me after big events or before big events in ministry, you know? It's like that's Satan's easy snare that gets me. So I'm always watching it. I'm always battling it. You know, battled it one weekend. Come in here, the first verse. Would you believe that the youth pastor sometimes, it's, it's hard to look at God's word because God's word's like a mirror. It shows you where you're at. First verse, Joel talks about Colossians 3, 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Man, I heard that. I'm like, dadgum. <laughs> Can we say dadgum? <laughs> I said, the, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. I said, Lord, if anger is ruling in my heart, it certainly ain't the peace of Christ. So that's my verse for this year. And I'm doing something about it. I'm doing more and more and more about it. That's where it's at for me. God's word. If you want to finish strong, finishers set their mind on God's word. Finishers set their mind on God's word. Jesus himself used scripture when he was tempted in the wilderness. What did he say? It is written, man should not live by bread alone. It is written. Do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Satan kept on when Jesus was in the wilderness. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Finishers, stay the course. Finishers, stay the course. An American hero that we don't really study much or we don't hear anything about. I've not heard anything about him till this sermon. John Wesley Powell. John Wesley Powell in the Civil War was shot in the forearm. His arm was amputated. After the war was over, he didn't let his disability limit him. Um, he was a scientist. He was an explorer. Um, he was a soldier. But John Wesley Powell set out in 1869 to float the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon. Up until this time, it had never been done. 
that we know of, especially by a white man. Um, maybe the Indians, but never been done. He didn't let his disability limit him. In 1869, he and eight others set out to float the river. In that day, only legends talked about people that had attempted it, but they had all died. No one had survived. At that time, they thought that that stretch of the Colorado River and the Grand Canyon would never be explored or mapped. They set off, and a hundred days later, five emerged on the other side. They had been exposed by the elements. They had experienced ambushes of rapids, boulders the size of cabins, waterfalls. They had lost food. They had lost boats. But five survived. How many of them set off? Nine. What happened to the other four? The first one, early in the trip, went back to his comfort zone, went back to safety. The other three, they thought it would be safer to climb the ridge, to climb the ridge and get out of the boat. When they got to the top, they were ambushed by Indians and were killed. You know, here's the deal. This is where the rubber hits the road for us. Sometimes the circumstances that we're in, that you're in now, you may want to quit. You may want to go back. You may want to get out of the boat and walk off to the ridge. But here's what I'm encouraging you to do. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. I want to I give you guys some questions. Let me see if you're at risk for not finishing strong. Are you at risk of not finishing strong? Let me ask you some questions. Do you spend personal time with the Lord in prayer and reading your Bible at least three times a week? Yes or no? Just answer it. Don't answer it out loud. Yes or no? The correct answer should be yes. Okay? Just we're in church. And it's true. Are there at least two friends in your life that encourage you and hold you accountable? People in your life that you can trust, that when you say something, it's confidential. And they're not going to look down on you, but they're going to help you through it. Are there at least two people in your life? Yes or no? Correct answer is yes. Are you currently spending considerable, considerable amount of time with someone from the opposite sex? That could be somebody just at work. The correct answer should be no. All right, are you at risk? That's what I'm checking. Are you absolutely sure that you're going to finish strong? The correct answer is no. Because don't be caught off guard. We are all human. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all human. If you have answered wrong to any of those questions, friend, you're at risk. 
you're at risk. Stay the course. Listen to these statistics. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 70% of youth in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless homes. 43% of U.S. children live without their father. Hey, our country's in crisis. And it's not our roadways that are going to fail us. It's not our bridge structure. But it's fathers in the home. When I was a teenager, I used to hate hearing statistics like this. I had a Sunday school teacher that would always share, if you come from a divorced family, you were 50% more likely to have a divorce. I would almost get in a fist fight with this man over that. Because I said, not me, dude. Not me. I'm not having it. And my whole life, it started gearing up. Like, I'm going to fight that. I'm going to fight that statistic. So when I share these statistics, like, you're looking at a guy that can share them because I come from a single parent, mother-raised home. I can say that. Dads, you got your ears on? Stay the course. Don't quit on your marriage. Your children, stay the course. You may be here today and your children do not live with you. Hear me out. Y'all hear me. Remember, I've been there. I'm there. I'm a 44-year-old man that still desires a relationship with his dad. If, if I just got a phone call that said, Hey, Nathan, I just called to say I love you and I'm proud of you, I would melt. So if you've messed up as a dad, I'm telling you this. Do whatever it takes to be involved in your children's life. They need you. They need you. They need you. Do whatever it takes. You might be a single mom here and you feel overwhelmed when you hear those statistics. Like you're not going to make it. Stay the course. I came from that. I've got a mother that stayed the course. When it was time for church, we were going. We might not be in the shape to be going, but we were going. When the youth took a trip, we were on the bus. We were on the bus. We were headed out. Stay the course. Stay the course. Single moms, it's not a man that you need. You've got Jesus as the head of your house put him first in your house and you'll be victorious over these statistics stay the course students you may be here your biggest fear is that your parents are going to divorce or you've already experienced it and there's no security in your home stay the course stay the course 
You've got to stay the course. If you turn to the end of Joshua, Joshua chapter 24, verse 29, you can just look at it on the screen. Here's what the writer wrote about Joshua. I love this. This is at the end of his life. Now it came to pass after these days that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. Everybody close your eyes real quick. This is an invitation. I want you to think about this. What do you want written on your tombstone? On Joshua's, it said, servant of the Lord. Wouldn't that just be awesome? Finish or stay the course no matter what. You can look up. You know, Jesus Christ is a perfect example of a finisher. Philippians 2.8, And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the odds are against you. The first step, the first right step you should make today is to make Christ Lord of your life. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you've not done that, I'm going to encourage you to do that. Dad, if you're here, the altar's open. No matter what, whether you're doing great in the game or you've you've had a bumpy start, the altar's open. Mom, Put Jesus as the head of your household. He'll see you through. He'll provide for you. Students, same thing. Stay the course. I'm inviting you to stay the course. Josh is going to come up and he's going to get a song going. I'm going to ask everyone stand. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father that you give us the power through the Holy Spirit to finish strong. Lord, may we be faithful and do just that. Do everything it takes to live a life that glorifies you at all costs. Father, I'm praying for that dad here that just might be ready to give up, call it quits. For that mom, for whoever it is, I pray, Father, that they see courage and are encouraged from your word. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and the Lord's been leading you to join our church family, you can come down and join our church. If today you prayed to rec- you, you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to invite you to do that. In order to be saved, all you have to do is A, admit you're a sinner and can't save yourself. B, believe Jesus did what just what he said he did. Died on the cross, was buried and rose again for your sins. C, call out to him. Confess him as Lord and Savior. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to pray that if you need to accept Christ, you pray it right here, right now. It goes like this. All eyes closed. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I believe you died on the cross 
Father, I'm trusting you to save me. Forgive me of my sin. I want to call out to you, make you Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You got your connection cards there. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.